Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed everywhere, be that Apple Podcast, Google Play, Alexa via TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, and you can stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com. Follow the podcast on social media at About to Review. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On today's episode, uh, I should be drinking out of a particular type of uh, vessel. It is small, circular, and red because today is yet again, because of scheduling, and it is super early on Wednesday morning, in fact. Uh, today's a solo show, so I should be drinking out of a red solo cup, but I am not. I have barely had even any water today because it is early and I've spent the past few days in the mountains of Montana. So yeah, this is coming at you a little bit late, but I wanted to make sure it at least got to you. Uh, but yeah, on this week's episode, I will be reviewing three movies, Operation Finale, The Little Stranger, and Kin, uh, going over some geek news as well. Right off the top of the show, though, some super, super important news. The contest and awards that I have been talking about for weeks now through the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards, I am a finalist in not one, but two categories uh, for Favorite Northwest Podcast and Geek of the Year. So the link to vote will be in the description below. It would be absolutely amazing if you could click the link, vote. I believe you can vote up to twice a day. Uh, I have been hearing some different <laughs> stories from different people. Some people said yes, some people said no. But regardless, click the link in the show notes. Vote for the podcast in those two categories, Favorite Northwest Podcast and Geek of the Year. Voting gets cut off on Saturday at midnight, or rather, I think Friday at 12.01 a.m. So it is very important that you do that as soon as possible and as often as possible slash as often as it lets you do that thing. So yeah, thank you for all of the nominations. Uh, without your nominations, I would not have been a finalist. So I am really close and the cutoff is, is soon. So I would love even more of your support in that voting process. Cool. So now that we got that out of the way, we will get into the original theme song created by Damon Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so this week's episode is going to be a short one, uh, mainly because, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff to go over, but I have a limited amount of time uh, here in the About to Review studios because, yeah, there, there's a lot going on. And like I said, I was out of town for a few days. So straight into the geek news. Uh, Incredibles 2 passes $600 million domestically and over 1 
billion dollars internationally. This is huge news. This is actually the record, as this is the first time an animated feature has been able to pass 600 million. That is crazy. Not only did it beat movies, or actually it is close to beating movies like Frozen, it actually is number four at the box office when you compare it to other superhero films like Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers. So for a family film, animated film, action, comic book style movie like that, as I've said before, it is the best Fantastic Four movie we will ever see. Making over $600 million domestically is fantastic. If you have not already seen Incredibles 2, what, what are you waiting for? What is wrong with you? Go see it. It is incredible. Uh, <laughs> speaking of another, not even sequel at this point, this is the sixth one, Die Hard 6. Yes, they're making another Die Hard. It officially got a title uh, from the producers. They There were rumors that it was going to be like, Die Hard Year One. No, dumb. Uh, but this movie is going to take place where John McClane is in his like, 20s, but Bruce Willis is still going to be in it. And I was like, are they going to try and looper this? Are they really going to try and have an act? It, who knows? But the official title for Die Hard 6, get ready for it, McClane. Mm-hmm. You, you, you heard me right. That is dumb. But whatever. These movies, I mean, have just kind of gone, not even, well, yes. I mean, categorically downhill significantly. So who knows what this next one is even going to be other than him in his 20s. Like, do we care what he was doing before Nakatomi Plaza or Nakatomi Tower? I I just, I do not know why. But uh, yeah, that is happening. Uh, Dominic Monaghan, who some would know from little movies like, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Lost, bunch of other projects, uh, has officially joined the cast and starts filming Star Wars Episode Nine coming up soon. So this is exciting. Of course, they have not released anything as far as who he is playing, you know, kind of what his character role is going to be. I hope it is not like a fully CG character or somebody with a ton of of makeup and you cannot recognize him. Because, yeah, like Dominic Monaghan, he is solid. I, I really like him, and I hope that this gives him an opportunity to kind of just shine and get, yeah, some, some more eyes on him that actually are eyes on him and not a character that you would not recognize. So that is pretty exciting. Uh, that does not even start filming until, I think he does not start filming until later this month. But yeah, he put up a picture, and it has been confirmed that he is now uh going to be part of that movie. So that is exciting. Uh, next, and yes, I'm fully aware that I am breezing through the geek news, but yeah, I, I got places to go. Um, speaking of which, I will be at Rose City Comic Con in Portland in just a couple days uh, this weekend. So if you're going to be there, hit me up on social media and maybe we can get together. Uh, okay, next bit of geek news. Henry Cavill, Superman himself, was cast in the Netflix TV show version of the video game called The Witcher. 
He will be playing Geralt, who is the main character of that series. This is exciting. At the same time, comic book movies have had a tough path. This is a comic book TV show. Yes, it is on Netflix. And yes, they now seem to have a bunch of money to go into production values, things like Altered Carbon. Building that world was not cheap. So they have the money to make something interesting. Henry Cavill kind of taking a swing at something like this at a Marvel or at a Netflix property is is fascinating. Because this is somebody who, you know, is not necessarily on the downswing or anything, taking a huge profile Netflix show. So I, I am excited for it. I just am worried because I hope it does not become what almost all of the comic book movies, and not only comic book movies, comic book adaptations become, which is just pretty much trash, except for the recent Tomb Raider. So we will kind of see about that. Uh, touching on a review that I did last week on Searching, which if you have not listened to that episode, spoiler alert, go see it. It is phenomenal. It is one of the best films of the year. If you like that sort of what they what they're now calling screen life films, things like Unfriended, Unfriended 2, and Searching, where it all takes place on your computer screen or your phone, get ready because there are nine movies and projects coming out in the next year that are like that. I really hope that we just do not get exhaustion of this immediately because after something like searching, which now kind of reset the bar as to how you can do that, anything else, oof, it, it is going to be tough. But that was confirmed by Timur Bekmambatov, one of the producers of searching and unfriended. He was like, one day we'll see 50 movies a year that are like this and it's going to be great. Pump your brakes. Nobody wants to see 50 movies a year with the same gimmick. This is coming from somebody who sees a lot more than 50 movies a year. Why would we want to see that many movies with the same thing? So who knows kind of how much of that is true, but there there are currently nine quote unquote screen life thrillers that are on their way soon. So who knows how that is going to play out. Uh, the last thing of the geek news. This is a story that has been making the rounds the past couple days. And it is about Jeffrey Owens, who played Elvin Thibodeau on The Cosby Show back when we were younger. There were some pictures released of him at working at Trader Joe's and kind of job, not kind of, straight up job shaming him. Like, basically, look how far he fell and he used to be an actor and blah 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 I know a lot of actors not all actors work all the time in the meantime you need to do what you need to do to provide for yourself your family whoever you have in your circle that you are responsible for even if that is just yourself I know so many actors at various levels who when stuff kind of gets dry they find something else. That is what you do just as a working professional. The fact that he was job shamed because 
he has been working at Trader Joe's for 15 months is ridiculous. He is still providing for the people that he needs to provide for. So much respect to Jeffrey Owens. And of course, on the back of this, you know, he has done some Good Morning America spots. He did a Dateline interview. And he even talked about, because I think it was on Good Morning America. They were like, well, how would you feel about a role, you know, coming out of this controversy? And, And he just flat out was like, I don't want a role because of this. I want roles because I'm the best qualified person. So it was a really solid interview. I will actually put it in the show notes. But just to all of the people listening who are actors, who I have met at various times of their career, from the very beginning to Oscar nominees, it just, it happens. These are things, just being a creative person and being in the entertainment industry, you have to be flexible. You have to just kind of roll with the punches and make stuff work. Just like all of the other actors and screenwriters who, for years, were sitting in a coffee shop working on that screenplay. And maybe they sold one and it did well. That is not always enough. Not everybody can be like Kevin Smith and make clerks and then can kind of ride that and continue to create for now 30 years almost. Or 20, 25 years, I think, was when that when Clerks came out. Like, so again, to everybody listening who is a creative, who is in the entertainment industry, if you need to do things like this to support your family or yourself, go for it. There should be zero judgment on on you or where you work. So get it done. So Jeffrey Jeffrey Owens, much respect to you. I absolutely stand behind you. And it would be great to see him him kind of back in things because he is a Yale graduate. He was teaching acting classes and then took the Trader Joe's job because it was flexible. So go for it. I absolutely support you. Uh, Okay, moving into the review section of the show. First movie on the docket is Operation Finale. Directed by Chris Weitz. This movie tells the story. This is a historical kind of biopic. uh, Yeah, based on a true story of Peter Malkin, who is a special agent for Mossad. And this movie details his kind of tracking down, along with other agents, uh, the kind of, yeah, terrible war criminal Adolf Eichmann was played by Ben Kingsley. Adolf, I mean, if you, when you think of the name Adolf, think of a time period and think of what happened during that time period. And there you go. So the reality of the situation was that Adolf Eichmann was kind of the engineer of the final solution, which is part of the whole Nazi Nazi agenda of getting, of just exterminating as many people as possible. Not just Jewish people, but people with deformities, people with special needs. So Adolf Eichmann was this war criminal who had escaped to Argentina. Oscar Isaac, as Peter Malkin and his team, believe they found him, and it is this movie tells their story of kind of tracking him down and what happens, you know, in the <laughs> uh, events that followed. This is, this is a true story. So, I mean, I'm not going to go into the film's 
details, even though you can look the story up and read all about it and read exactly what happened to all of these characters. So instead of doing that, instead, I would just talk about the performances. Oscar Isaac, I have been saying it for a long time. This guy is incredible. I do not think I have seen a bad Oscar Isaac performance. He is incredible. So, and he he has this ability similar to another Star Wars actor, you know, that he is kind of a compatriot with, uh, Dom Hall Gleason. They are just these kind of chameleons who, no matter what the project, they can be so distinct and unique. That is awesome. And yes, that is also acting. Or, as Jess from the Curly Nerd would say, from one of our old favorite sketches, acting. But yes, I get that that is their job. But at the same time, there are some people who do it way better. So Oscar Isaac is one of those actors who always just kind of seamlessly becomes these characters. And for whatever reason, he does not get the critical reception that other actors do. So his character as Peter Malkin, we see his journey really from the beginning, from this first mission that maybe did not go like they had planned to then getting tasked with this huge mission of tracking down Adolf Eichmann in Argentina and how he is coping with that and how he is trying to realize and trying to justify what happened before versus what is happening now. So juxtaposed with that, you have Ben Kingsley as Adolf Eichmann. <laughs> now Ben Kingsley is the opposite, not the opposite of Oscar Isaac, but it just, Ben Kingsley is a phenomenal actor, but man, does he like to stay busy. He did a run of movies that he would just pop up in, and it was like, wait, why are you doing this movie? But the man just likes to act, so good for him. There was even a movie, it was not The Butterfly Effect, it was um something like that, and I forget what it was, a group had figured out how to travel through time, he was in this movie, and it got delayed so long that I remember him being on, I think it was Conan O'Brien, years ago. And he got asked about it, and he was like, wait, when did that movie come out? He had forgotten what he had done, because it took so long, and he does a million projects. So, But Ben Kingsley in this role is kind of back to that captivating, truly kind of in-depth performance that we really grew to love. He is nuanced, he is creepy, and it really makes sense for this former Nazi agent who has a lot of secrets and has, has also been trying to live a different life under a different name so that he maybe would not get extradited. Ex wow, extradited? That is not a word at all. Extradited to another country. But yeah, his performance is great. Nick Kroll is in this as a in a dramatic role, which he can do. First of all, Nick Kroll is hilarious. And if you have not seen Uncle Drew, go see Uncle Drew. It was amazing. As a dramatic actor, though, Nick Kroll is solid. I was impressed with his performance. Uh, one of the other people that I was impressed with was Michael Aronov. You will probably not know that name at all. Uh, he is a Tony Award winning actor. He is in a show called The Blacklist which, yes, I still watch, uh, or not. Now it is on a break. But this guy is another one of those chameleons. 
this is the first kind of dramatic movie he has done where he really got to shine as Zivi uh, Aharoni crushed it really, really solid. And I mean, he comes from the stage. So, I mean, he know he has those acting chops. He's a Tony award winning stage actor. So great performance by him. Haley Lou Richardson from kind of indie movies is in this. And unfortunately, so after, <laughs> after I saw this, uh, Chris Lambert of the mundane festival shot me a text and he was like, it's like, Hey, Haley Lou Richardson is in that movie. How was it? I really like her. She was in Columbus, Edge of 17. Um, When she is in this movie, she is good. She straight up disappears for like 45 minutes. And I kind of forgot about her character. There's this kind of forced love interest angle that even if it is parallel to the history of what happened, the way they portrayed it in the movie, it was just kind of boring um, but yeah, this is also a very slow burn political thriller, like very slow burn when it gets a third act and stuff starts happening. It is done really well, but oof, you, you got to earn it. You, you got to sit through a second act that is paced very oddly, but overall great performances. Uh, there's a Twitter handle called one perfect shot that really focuses obviously on cinematography. They're going to have a tough time finding the one perfect shot from this movie because there are so many amazing angles and lighting choices that the director and the DP made. There's a scene where he is just Oscar Isaac is sitting on a bed and he just has two lamps on kind of either side of him with these stark lines across the wall. Brilliant shot. Like, the cinematography was great. The soundtrack was weird. There was a xylophone in this a lot. And if you do the xylophone too much or in different places, it can just sound like Looney Tunes. And that was a little bit distracting. I think what would have been more helpful is to have some more traditional music of that time. Get some artists from Israel. You know, get some Jewish musicians. Have them help you with this score and make it more authentic and historical. And I think that would have been great or get some Argentinian directors, you know, not directors, musicians and composers to work on this. So the score is just kind of disjointed, but yeah, solid performances throughout shot beautifully. It just takes a while to get there. So uh, the official rating system for the about to review podcast is good, bad, or ugly. No stars, no letter grades, just those three choices. A good film is something you would recommend to a friend. A bad film is something that you came out of the theater and you were like, you know, I don't regret sitting in the theater for two hours, but it was not something you would just tell people they need to rush out and see. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Uh, Operation Finale, starring Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley with Haley Lou Richardson. It gets a bad, um, only because it is paced so slowly that I think that is really going to take some people away from it. So it is, a, it does have a solid performance and a great cast, but yeah, wait for it on Netflix. And if you need to take some breaks, you can, <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is just a really slow burn political thriller. So it gets a bad moving right along to uh, a movie that I actually saw 
weeks ago that I was under embargo and I kind of look at my notes again to be like, okay, uh, this happened, this happened. So next review is for The Little Stranger. And this stars, as I mentioned earlier, Damal Gleason, Ruth Wilson from Luther, Will Poulter, who one of my friends, I'm not say who, one of my local critic friends says that he has one of the most punchable faces. Yeah, that's kind of rude. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but yeah, Will Poulter, uh, Charlotte Rampling, uh, and this movie, The Little Stranger, is based off of a book that came out in 2009 that is essentially a haunted house story set in England in, I want to say the 50s, because he talked about coming back from the war. So, uh, Donald Gleason plays a doctor whose last name is Faraday, who goes to this huge house that he remembers as a child to kind of help care for the people there. He falls, quote unquote, in love. I will say falls into a relationship with Ruth, Ruth Wilson's character, Caroline Ayers. And, you know, her brother is Will Poulter. Her mom is Charlotte Rampling. As they kind of start building this relationship, weird stuff starts happening in the house. It starts getting creepy. A little girl gets attacked and mauled. But here's the thing with a haunted house mystery. The way that the camera moves and the way that the camera is deciding to tell the story can really dictate a lot about our feeling as the audience following these characters. Multiple times in this movie, it would have these beautiful shots where it is this old house and have these long hallways and it would focus on the doorway. And so everything was framed exceptionally well. Uh, This was directed by Lenny Abrahamson. So it was shot really beautifully and the camera would slowly, like you would start to hear something. The camera would slowly go to like move around the corner. And I'm not, we do not need a jump scare. We don't necessarily need to see like some bloody ghost or something. But as it would slowly move around the corner, it would pause and nothing would happen. Nothing, not a jump scare, not a creepy visual. It would just pause and then go to the next scene. Doing that once or twice and kind of building that false sense of security is great because then you were like, okay, the third time, maybe we'll see something. Nope. Fourth time, maybe we, nope. Fifth, sixth, nope. So that was just a weird choice. And I'm not sure why they went with that so many times. Like going for the same jump scare every time can get kind of old. But this one, it just, it kept leading you, visually leading you. The camera is leading you down this hallway or up these beautiful stairs in this arched staircase to a door and then nothing happens. It's just a weird choice and I'm not sure why they did that. But Donald Gleason, like I mentioned before, is a chameleon. This guy is compelling in almost everything he does. He goes from kind of that charming, lovable character that we have seen before in films to then... He transitions into incredibly creepy and maniacal, not so much to the point of like General Hux in Star Wars, but you see that same energy. You see that same direction and it works. Like he, he just, to be able to do that, not just in multiple movies, 
But in one movie, to have those extremes play out and for it to be believable is awesome. Uh, Ruth Wilson, who of course people will recognize from Luther, is fantastic in this. Uh, I mean, yeah, she is just she is great in everything. As the daughter of this kind of old family that lives in this house that she is just kind of trying to keep together because it used to be this highfalutin society, you know, house where everybody came together. Then some people started dying, family members started dying, and then the house just kind of went into ruins. So she is just trying to basically keep up the house. Uh, Will Poulter is her brother who is severely injured uh, after the war. He kind of starts going crazy. The mom also has these moments of insanity. But altogether, like this movie, I mean, this is a smart, sophisticated ghost story that was boring. I mean, this movie, I mean, I talked about it with Operation Finale, how it is a slow burn. This one is is not even a slow burn. It is just slow. And the, again, like those payoffs where it, it just, it was not quite getting there. It was, it was literally not turning the corner into something that was interesting or captivating. After the screening, I talked to one of my one of my other compatriots in the Seattle Film Critics Society, and she had read the book, and she said that the book is very similar to this as far as pacing, as far as tone. That makes sense. If this is similar to the book and people enjoyed the book, they will probably enjoy this movie because from what she said, and she had read the book, it was very similar. That being said... I truly believe that this could have been a 60-minute BBC like masterpiece theater style thing and would have been way more successful. Doing a movie, you know, that is 2 hours is is just long, way too long. Because again, it just the way it is paced, I the whole time I was like, okay, what is going to happen? Is something interesting going to happen? Is the camera going to lead us somewhere interesting? Short answer, no. It it did not. So even with the great performances, even with an interesting style, it just, it was boring. Uh, I saw one review when they were like, oh, the bell in this movie is just like the knock sound in Hereditary, and it's so creepy and unnerving. No, it is not. We heard the bell like three times, and that was it. And then there was not really this like ongoing tonal decision like there was in Hereditary. So my rating for The Little Stranger, I mean, it it is hard to give this one ugly because it is shot really well and there were great performances, but I, I got to give it ugly. I mean, it just, this is a movie that I will never go back to. It is a movie that is going to be really hard to recommend to anybody unless they've read the book and really liked the book. If they did not really enjoy the book's pacing, I do not think they're going to make it through this two-hour movie. So, a 60-minute BBC Masterpiece Theater version, if somebody wants to do a fan edit of that, I might check it out. But in general, it just had this languid pace, and I think it was trying to be too smart or sophisticated for its own good, and it just fails. So the little stranger gets an ugly uh, last movie on the docket is one that I've been talking about for months that I had been really excited about. And it is called Kin, directed by Jonathan and Josh Baker, 
based on their own short film called Bagman from a couple years ago. I will put the link to Bagman in the show notes. It is a 15-minute short they did a few years ago, essentially as a proof of concept, you know, to potentially make a new movie, a full feature-length movie, which they did. Um, so yeah, the short film will be linked in the show notes below. This movie stall stars Jack Rayner, great Irish actor. Uh, he was in Sing Street. He has been in a bunch of other stuff. Dennis Quaid, Zoe Kravitz, James Franco, not Franco, James Franco. Uh, <laughs> listen to past episodes if you do not get that joke. Uh, but yeah, the loose premise is that a boy finds a futuristic, crazy, technologically advanced weapon, and he uses that to protect his family as they are on the run. I mean, again, this is based off of a short film that you can watch. They really extrapolate a lot from this, especially from the short film. The short film touched on so many unique opportunities, and the film capitalizes on it in a great way. And that is what happens when you get the same writers and directors from a short film when they make a feature. Other short film to feature adaptations are usually kind of rough. Things like uh, Mama, Lights Out. You can have an amazing short film and the full-length version just fails because you realize there is not enough there to go on. Kin is the opposite. There is so much in this movie, and this movie is an hour and 45 minutes. It lays the groundwork for what could be maybe a second movie, a TV series, so many other projects. Actually, I would love to see this as a graphic novel. If for whatever reason, you know, they might not get the funding to do a second movie or a TV show, do a graphic novel. And I, I would be totally on board. But Miles Truitt is kind of introduced in this movie. He is, you know, this is his first feature film. And he plays the son of Dennis Quaid and his brother Jack, or his brother Jimmy, played by Jack Rayner, just got out of prison after six years. Like a lot of people who, who that happens to, they come out and they're just trying to piece their life back together, trying to piece their family back together, connections, friendships, relationships, and some stuff happens that leads them on a path that Jimmy and Miles as Eli, Jimmy and Eli go on this road trip and they meet Zoe Kravitz along the way playing Millie as they just have this kind of, it is a sci-fi family road trip action movie. All of those things sound weird, but they work in this film. James Franco as Taylor is chasing them down the whole time based on some situations that, that Jimmy got into James Franco plays this sa like the same way the entire movie, which is great. He is this kind of deranged, out of control, yet maniacal, and somewhat clever, uh, not gang leader, mm, I, well, I, for lack of a better term, you know, a uh, gang leader. And he just, he wants to hunt them down. He stays on that crazy note from the first time we see him through the entire movie, which is awesome. <laughs> so it was a really good choice. Zoe Kravitz is, is also great in this. 
there's a scene where she is dancing though. Okay, Zoe, you you are a good actress. I I like you and stuff. You're gorgeous. Wow, she cannot dance. And again, it just I make the comparison to Rihanna a lot where in her old videos, Rihanna would be dancing and the camera would quickly cut away to some other dancers who made it look really good and then back to Rihanna for like 2 seconds and then back to the other dancers. Yeah, that is kind of what happened in this movie. Zoe Kravitz, I mean, is, is great. It just, yeah, there's a scene where she has a dancer that is not believable at all. Because I'm like, wait, you are, okay, sure. We will just go with it. It is it is a plot device to get you where you need to go. Sure. Uh, the sound design of this movie. So the score is actually done by, by Mogwai, uh, who is an artist that some people, you know, would know. It is a Scottish kind of post-rock band. They, I'm not sure how much they were involved in the sound design outside of, you know, the actual score. The sound design is phenomenal in this movie. From the futuristic sound that the gun makes to the tech that the futuristic people have. I have to be very careful about certain things. Uh, Futuristic people have everybody from like walking there are these like these sounds that kind of emanate from the back speakers that kind of vacuum into the front speakers that is just really really clever so great sound design shot just like an indie movie should be shot they spent the money in the right places and everything looks great like this looks like one of those indie films that just you do not believe had the budget it had because it is shot so well. There are some great angles or great lighting choices. One of the clips from the trailer, you see Eli standing in a club and there are like these pink lights that form a tunnel behind him. Really clever. The action set pieces are great in this. Uh, there is a a reveal at the, like towards the, well, not towards the end, a reveal at the end that was awesome that I kind of had heard rumors about before the screening, but yeah, super impressed uh, with, with that just kind of, again, the other two movies I talked about had pacing issues. This one does not, this one is also almost two hours, like an hour 45, but everything is structured in the right way. And the best way to tell this type of story. And I was just, I was really impressed uh, let me see what else I wrote down. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to go from the short film and to keep the same aesthetic from the short film to the big bu- or to the feature length movie with a bigger budget and for it to still feel like the same universe, the same creative direction with significantly more money, hats off to the Baker Brothers. So... If you cannot tell already what my rating is going to be, my official rating for Kin is good. Really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it has all of those indie movie vibes that I like. has the sci-fi elements, has good action set pieces. It is a family film with compelling character interactions and choices. So yeah, I was really impressed with Kin. All right, a rundown of this week's reviews. Operation Finale uh, gets a bad it was just, it was solid performances, but those were not enough to save it from its pacing problems. The Little Stranger gets an ugly, smart, sophisticated ghost story, but ultimately just ended up being boring with no payoff. 
Uh, and then Ken gets a good super. I was excited about this movie, super excited about this movie. I've been talking about it for months. I was worried that they kind of dumped it on August 31st because that is what a film they just do not really know what to do with it. But I was impressed. So I'm definitely down for this. I would love the Baker brothers to collaborate with, you know, some artist or something, do a graphic novel series. If they cannot move the story forward in another visual medium, I would pick up a graphic novel in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, so that is about it. Some upcoming things for the podcast. Uh, check out Made in the 80s podcast, which is with Tim, Kendon, and Shalia. Uh, I did another episode with them talking about Superman 2. So I did Superman 1 and 2. If you want to hear me gush about movies that always make me smile, go check that out. I will put the link in the show notes. Uh, I was a guest on the Black and a Half podcast, which will be coming out soon. When that comes out, I will put a note. <laughs> I will put a link in the description. Uh, upcoming movies, uh, Peppermint, The Nun, and Predator. So reviews for those will be coming up. Rose City Comic Con in Portland, Oregon. I will be in you this weekend. That sounds weird, but it is true. I will be there this weekend. Uh, yeah, if you want to get together, hit me up on social media. The weekend after that, I will be at Renton City Comic Con. Speaking of Renton City Comic Con, here is your second call to action. Click the link in the description below and vote for the podcast in the Favorite Northwest Podcast as well as Geek of the Year. I would appreciate any and all votes. Last time I checked, which I have been trying not to check compulsively, uh, I am getting demolished in the Favorite Northwest Podcast, uh, which is okay. There, it is. I'm getting beaten by my friends at Northwest Nerd, uh, but I, I was ahead in the Geek of the Year. So click the link, vote. I appreciate all of the support. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Uh, like I said, I've been your host, that guy named John. Follow the podcast on social media at about to review uh, about review.com has links to full show notes and the guests. If you have any questions, email those to about review at gmail.com. I love hearing from the listeners. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a